Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August the 9th, 2018, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 93, the first paragraph that begins when dealing with such a person, reading through two paragraphs ending with to most denominations. Today's readers for the 12 Steps, Rita K, 12 Traditions, Allison E, readers of the text, Marcella M and Jen A, our newcomer greeter is Lynn S, and the host for the second hour is Deanna B. OA Preamble. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to back up just a minute. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, August the 8th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11,000. 766, that's 11766, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 11,767, so that's 11767. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rita Kay to please read the 12 Steps of OA. Thank you, this is Rita Kay from Kansas. The 12 Steps, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shock shortcoming. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be a service. Thank you, Rita Kay. And I'll now ask Allison E. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., a compulsive overeater from New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry a message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the le- or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Allison E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter working with others on page 93, the first paragraph that begins when dealing with such a person. We'll be reading through two paragraphs ending in to most denominations, and comments will be on both paragraphs. 
And Marcella M., would you please read for us? Good morning. Can you hear me well? I can very well. Beautiful. Uh, Marcella M., recovered. Um, when dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. There is no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms or conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your own convictions are. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very presence that he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. My name is Marcella, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, so these two paragraphs, especially the first line that says, you had better use everyday language, everyday language. Well, the whole entire big book from, from, the, from cover to cover uses everyday language. Um, it very seldomly sounds religious. There are a few lines here and there that sounds religious. But even when that happens, the next paragraph sounds like pretty common in everyday language. But um, as we read in that next paragraph, that is not enough because I can say very pretty words, you know, and no matter how polished or articulate I can be, the only way to demonstrate the spiritual principles is through action. And um, so what are the actions? Well, the actions begin with entire abstinence. And, and what are the actions that demonstrate that I'm on a spiritual path? Well, for starters, you know, every morning I say, Where, where's my breakfast? Where, where's my lunch? Where's my dinner? And then I, 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 I afford myself all the ingredients in the right amount and, and, a, and a schedule so that I know where's my entire acting. That's the first part of, of step one. And then um, my life is unmanageable, so I better use the rest of the steps to guide me through life. So I love the circular nature of the big book because now we're on step 12 working with others. And these two paragraphs uh, bring me back to we agnostics um, in my mind, the, the, the second paragraph of page 47 where it says, we just have to ask a very curious, non-tricky question. Do I now believe? Or I'm even curious to believe? I'm willing to believe? Because I see people, religious and non-religious here, that are recovered and they look beautiful and they're happy, optimistic, and functional, and I want what they have. And some of them share my religion and some not, but all of them recovered people. <clears throat> they have something that I really, really want. And not only that I want, something that I want to pass on to others, right? So that brings me to, the, to page 53 when he says, we have to make a decision <clears throat> whether the higher power, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, whether the higher power is some abstract notions of justice, peace, and beauty, or some, or even if the, 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 even if the higher power is a vision for you as a whole, 
um, or, you know, the whole community of recovery in the world, or or even the, my little clique of my sponsor and their sponsees, even if that's my higher power, I have, or if the higher power is some religious higher power from my own religion, I still have to make a decision. Either the higher power is very interested in what I eat or not. Because if God is not interested in what I eat, then what do I care? It doesn't matter anyway. But if he does, then everything, everything that I put in my mouth to eat, everything brings me closer to the higher power or farther away from the higher power. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella M. And now the lines will be open to um, anyone who'd like to share on what was read. Harlan G. Kim G. Harlan. Kim. Anybody else? Katie G. Katie. We've got lots of G's. Harlan G, Kim G, Katie G. A couple other people. Kathy K. Kathy K. Sandy okay. S. We'll go. Oh, Sandy. Okay. Sandy, you'll have to tell me your first initial of your last name. Okay, so I have Harlan G, Kim G, Katie G, Kathy K, and Sandy. Harlan G, please get us started. Thank you, Lisa, and uh, thank you to Team Thursday for making this wonderful meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Steambath, Scottsdale, Arizona. When I look at this second paragraph here, this is pure Oxford group. And when I look at the sentence that says to be vital, vital means absolutely necessary or important, essential, full of energy, lively. In order to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. What is that action? Now, I have gone to meetings for 40 years almost with nuns, priests, ministers, rabbis, orthodox people from the Jewish religion, or strict Catholics, strict Protestants, Christians, and other religions as well. Some of them recovered, some of them did not. What is the difference? This is not about what I know, what I believe. This is about what I do. This is about me. Every single day of my life, remembering what it says on page 77, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And in the final analysis, yes, I must have the food down. In the final analysis, it's about me working the steps every day as if my hair was on fire. It is about me taking tens and making sure that the level of emotions does not build to the level where the call of the food will be irresistible. And it is about what I did to help someone else. What did I do today? What did I do yesterday to bring the message of recovery in this book of Alcoholics Anonymous to the person who is still suffering? I can 
do all the religious practices in the world. If I don't do that, I am not going to recover. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Doing religious practices is fine. I'm not knocking religion. I'm not saying people shouldn't do those things. Those things are beautiful. They're wonderful. And they bring peace and serenity and love into the world and into the people who practice those things, and that's great. I have to also do what it says in the book to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And if I don't, I'm working in an 11-step program, and if I work in an 11-step program, I'm going to be eating Oreo cookies very, very soon. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Um, Kim G., you're up, followed by Katie G. Good morning. Thank you. I feel like I'm in homeroom in grammar school, and I'm next to all the Gs. We're all sitting together waiting for the teacher here. Um, I love this line. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. I want to look at this from a totally different angle. My, this, may this person's 12-step education and training may be far superior to mine. You know, I have to tell you, I rarely, rarely meet a newcomer in those years anonymous. In fact, some of my friends, we call them unicorns because they're so rare. What I meet mostly is people like me, people who have been in and out of program, maybe dabbled in three or four different 12-step fellowships. And what I realize now is I wasn't in and out of program. I was really in and out of the fellowship. And often what I get is, yeah, 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 I've done steps one, two, and three. You can't teach me about that. But I look back at my own experience, and what my own experience is, is I thought step one was I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore, or I'm no longer fat and I'm afraid to be getting fat again. I thought step two was I had to return to my childhood religion. And step three was really Santa Claus. You know, I'm going to give God this list of things he's supposed to do, and if I'm a good little girl, I'm going to get him, and if I'm a bad little girl, then I'm going to get cold in my stocking. But I have to tell you, after 17 years in OA, I had six years of clean absence in the beginning, picked up. After that point, couldn't get more than eight or nine months, and then eight or nine weeks, and then eight or nine days. And when someone approached me about this big book, my attitude was, listen, I was your effing interview chair. What are you going to tell me about Overeaters Anonymous? But what I started to hear on a specific meeting was I heard here, I was curious to learn why these people's own convictions well, my own convictions had not worked and why these people's convictions seem to work so well. You know, I think it's too, after I recovered in my inner group, we had a, a sponsorship workshop and it was kind of, it was like speed dating. We had sponsors on one side and people looking for sponsors on the other. And we had three minutes to talk. And this one girl mentioned, said that she was in OA for 40 years and I, she had been, her longest absence was six months. And I asked her how long ago that was. And she said 10 years. And I said, well, can we agree at least that what you're doing isn't working? And that's what I had to admit. As much knowledge as I had about Overeaters Anonymous, what I was doing wasn't working. So I want to talk more to the people today who are suffering. You might know about these 12 steps. You might, you might know more about the traditions and bylaws and, you know, Robert's rules and all that stuff that we do in intergroup and world service and region. But the question is, are you able to stay abstinent contently? You know, that all that knowledge, an example of truth that faith alone is insufficient. That's what I had to fully concede to. So to be open to a new experience for people that, that are suffering today. And I just want to assure you 
I want to assure everyone on this line that today I am a compulsive overeater to the core of my bone. I fully concede that. But I also want to assure you that I do not suffer from compulsive overeating and have been contently abstinent for over seven and a half years. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Katie G, you're up, followed by Kathy K. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, my fellows and the Gs. What a privilege to hear all of you. Katie G, recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And what I've been thinking the most is, you know, the problem is not what I don't know. The problem is what I think I know. And um, I think I know everything. I mean, I think I've got this covered. It's like, yeah, you know what? I, I can't do my binge foods. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll get through this. And yeah, yeah, I believe in God. All the yeah, yeahs. But, you know, the place that I grow the most is when I'm challenged and when I acknowledge, you know, I don't know the answer. And um, I do. There's been a major shift for me in terms of, who I used to be, you know, like in terms of saying, yeah, you know, I believe, I believe things are going to turn out well, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep going after what I need, what I want, um, you know, and I believe all these lies. Like if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. Um, you know, if I, if, if you had my life, you'd eat this way too. Um, but, you know, the difference, the shift for me, the profound shift that happens as the result of working the steps is that um, I, 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 I demonstrate my faith today. You know, I don't just sit around and saying, yep, I believe that the universe is good and whatever. Like, I need to demonstrate, as, as, our, as the speakers have said. Like, how am I demonstrating that um, I'm faithful to God? Like, for me, it's, you know, getting up, weighing and measuring, staying entirely abstinent, and then not focusing on me. Like, all of a sudden, as the result of these steps, I am not the sun and the moon and the stars. And my mom could tell me that until I'm blue in the face. But I never, I never understood that until I got into this program. Like, I want to go to a deserted barn and think my way into my life, right? And what, what, what I'm being taught is that, you know, in order to demonstrate this program, I need to act. And it is very simple. To, to, for one hour to listen to this program, to read this, these pages, and to say, yes, yep, I agree, I got it. And what's happening to me is in my life, you know, when I am challenged, when, um, you know, I'm not sleeping and I need to show up anyway, when I'm angry and I need to pause, God is saying to me, okay, Katie, where is your faith right now? Where is your action? How are you going to show up? Are you going to show up and rage and do all the things that you used to do? Or are you going to pause? when agitated or doubtful? Are you going to practice these principles in all your affairs? And um, I'm so grateful that I have a program today to show me and that it is based on spiritual principles. I mean, and I love that we are all, um, what is so accessible about this program is it is simple language. I am a very simple person, but I complicate everything. And I'll just close with this. Like my first sponsor said to me, Katie, I ask you what time it is and you tell me how to make a clock. And it's true, but my life today is very simple because of this book, because of all of you and this simple language, this solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Kathy Kay, you're up, followed by Sandy. 
Good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. And um, I'm really identifying today uh, with what's outlined here about being a sponsor who may have much less religious training than my sponsees. And I came to program as an agnostic, and it took me many years uh, to figure out that um, the work ahead of me was actually about developing a a genuine connection with a higher power. Um, When I meet new sponsees, um, I talk about the spirituality of my program very much in terms of the steps and the principles that go with each step, the honesty, faith, and hope, and courage, and all of those. I don't talk um, about my religious training or about my conception of God. Um, And perhaps most importantly, I really find that I learn a lot from hearing about my new sponsee's experience of all of these things. Um, It's a way in which we do learn um, in our relationships with sponsees, even though we're serving as guides to them, we're also enhancing our own experience and understanding of some of these very um, sometimes difficult to put our hands around ideas. Um, so I I view each new relationship with a sponsee as in part an opportunity um, to enhance my own understanding of what it means to have a vital faith um, and what self-sacrifice is about and how to create that in my own life. And um, I think the the more I can see the relationship as having potential learning value for both of us, the better the relationship unfolds. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And Sandy, you're up. And if you'd give me the first initial of your last name. S. S is in Sam. Sandy. S is Sandy. Great. Great. Thank you. Okay. Hi. Yeah, what resonated with me was uh, self-sac... Self, let me just get it. Um, self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. That to be, vi- to be vital, faith must be incom- accompanied by that. I, I've been abstinent for 42 years entirely through a spiritual experience and um, that just came to me. And, um, but I was never able to do the 12 steps. It was amazing. I was never able to sponsor anyone until I got into vision. And not only do I feel that I'm able to sponsor someone successfully, which is amazing. It was something I always wanted to do. But I feel I can carry the message in a way I could never do before. Because I'm experienced since being in the vision group 
an inner sense of peace and ease that I've never had. And that's really what I have to offer other people. When I was abstinent before, I was working the steps as best as I could because I was terrified of ever going back to food. And I really never had any confidence in myself. So I, I really had to find a higher power. A lot of times it was the group. Um, but now I realize I need to have an experience of a higher power because that's what's going to bring me true peace. And when I have that, I will know what to do in terms of helping other people and carrying the message. And uh, for me, I would go overboard sometimes with this self-sacrifice and the unselfish actions, overly involved with other people. So I really have to know, like, what's really constructive in helping other people, constructive for them, constructive for me. And I feel in each moment I'm being led in that direction. And, um, and that I pass Thank you, Sandy S. Um, and if you've just now joined us, just a reminder where we're reading today. We're in the chapter Working with Others on page 93, the first paragraph that begins when dealing with such a person, through two paragraphs ending in to most denominations. And the lines are now open for those who'd like to share. Lisa B. Lisa Mary Kay. Mary Nessa, Melissa, let me tell you what I have. Lisa Charles B, H. Lisa J R, Larry K, Nessa, Melissa C, Charles H. That's a great lineup. Um, let's start with Lisa B, followed by uh, Lisa J R. Hi, I'm sorry, I was unmuting. Did you say Lisa B? I did. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service and thank you for all my teachers that are here on the line. Um, I found my own experience in this chapter working with others and with, with this whole thing about the religious is for me to um, try and share a little bit of my own experience. And one of the things that helped, helped me is to see the difference between religion and spirituality. A lot of people do have a lot of prejudice, and there's a lot of different, you know, baggage that I found I brought in this program with me. And um, so I try to stick to the book. I try to just really follow this book and the way it's directing me and instructing me to try and carry this message. And um, I just want to share as a sponsor, as a someone that tries to be a big book guide, it it is always a joy to meet someone that does not have any religious leanings at all or spiritual leanings, just someone that really doesn't have any understanding or faith, previous faith. You know, I find that the ones that come from a strong background and strong belief, it, it's sometimes hard. But again, this book is just wonderful because it tells me all I need to try and do is just almost follow the script, you know, that's in this book, that I can learn from them. But perhaps, you know, what they've done hasn't really been working for them because they're not abstinent, they're not sober, they're not recovered. But, you know, I, I love that word faith. Um, and I really just felt led to share um, in the big book where it talks about um, in the chapter how it works. Um, 
let me just find it here. I was looking for it. Um, okay, the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. Um, we never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and, and, and you know, direct our attention to what he would have us be. And, you know, that, that's been really powerful for me because faith and fear are so linked in and I found being such a fear-based person and often I work with people that are just as equally a fear-based people, you know, as I am, um, that really that's the only option for me is to reach for what I'm looking for, which is faith and courage. And um, I found that through this book and through understanding the difference between religion and spirituality and it's this relationship with my higher power that is so vital and the most important thing for me and um i know i kind of wandered off off the ramp there but that's what i felt led to share and i'm so grateful for all the 12 steps and for trying to carry the message it does help me keep sane and sober i pass Thank you, Lisa B. And Lisa J.R., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning, everybody. I'm Lisa J.R. from Baltimore, Maryland, um, gratefully recovered one day at a time. Um, I, had a, I had a really different experience. Um, didn't come in as an unbeliever. Came in as a very strong person in my faith. I, I dug in, had a relationship with my higher power like so many I've met over the years. So many people that are strong believers in their faith, and they just can't, like me, let go of the food. Um, you, you dear people, have taught me that I have a disease of more. That, um, and I even, you know, I approach my faith that way: more study, more relationship, um, more prayer, and it didn't help me with the food. And I really realized that God was telling me. You know, child, I gave you this. I allowed you to have this issue so that you would learn to fully trust me, fully trust me with everything, not just, you know, your life and your job, your food, this problem. I used to beg God, those gumball machine prayers, to take this disease away from me, and he never did, and I just prayed for death. Every, every night I went to bed praying, take me home, God take me home. And, you know, he didn't. And it was because I, he had to show me that I wasn't giving him the food. And that, that was the hardest thing for me to do in my life was to put the food down and watch him work a miracle in my life. I knew he'd do it for other people, but I really wasn't sure he was going to do it for me. So I had to put the food down, trust the the book, trust the process. And they're all mandates in my faith, every one of those steps. And, you know, once I started doing them and I put the food down, and yeah, it hurt to, to extricate the food out of my life, you know. And I'm traveling with a sister that is suffering from this disease. But you know what? I'm learning another, another part of my faith is that I have to trust God with the people around me that I love that may be suffering from this. You know, it's all a growth opportunity, this whole thing, this whole, and I'm so glad I'm on it with all of you. Um, God bless you for helping me stay sober every day. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Lisa J.R. And Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Nessa R. 
Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. Um, you know, the, the OA preamble, you know, we read it every morning. It, tell, it tells me that, that OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, uh, political movement, um, ideology, or religious doctrine. We, we're not for religion. We're not against religion. We don't take any, any position on it. I've met a lot of, I, I didn't, I wasn't raised with, um, with religious training. I was born to parents who, you know, who, I certainly affiliated with a particular religion, but I didn't learn much about it, didn't know much about it. My parents didn't know much about it. It just wasn't a big part of our lives. I've met lots of lovely, wonderful people where it was. They're Jewish, they're Christian of, you know, one sort or another, they're Catholic, they're all sorts of different religions I've met, Muslims I've met, all sorts of people. And we don't take any position on it. Most people that I meet will have more, generally, in program, will have more knowledge about religion than I ever would. But that's not the currency we deal with here. You know, I've met um, priests and rabbis. I remember meeting one priest. What a lovely guy this, this this guy was. Now, he was dying. I don't know if he's alive or dead today, to be quite honest. He was a lovely guy. He had years and years in program. When I first met him, he, he identified as someone, you know, been in program for about 30 years. And he was dying, clearly. You could see physically he was dying. So I don't know what he was doing over those 30 years. You know, it's interesting to me. We can have, I'll stick with that premise, we can have 30 years in program. You know, and um, do we have 30 years in program or do we have one year 30 times? One year of ineffective recovery repeated over and over 30 times. We don't put much stock in religion or how many years you're in program. There's no hierarchy. I, I quite, quite frankly, I, I, I can relate much better to a heroin addict because I know what it's like, although I don't have tracks on my arm. I know what it's like to be owned, enslaved, tethered to a substance. Whether it's legal or illegal, I know what it's like, and I know the damaging, progressive nature of that and the horror and the hell of that. I know all about that, so I can relate to putting my heroin foods down and feeling horribly uncomfortable. The thing about it is, is I want to have an ex a spiritual experience as a result of these steps. It takes action to do that. I don't want 30 years repeated, one year of ineffective recovery, year after year after year. That's not what this program offers. So grateful for this program and for all the people, all of you, all my teachers. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Nessa R., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. To be vital, faith has to be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Vital means life-giving. And so what this passage tells me is in order to keep my, myself recovered, to not put myself at risk of, of dying because this is a fatal illness. Um, I have to do this. And what is it that it's, it's telling me to do? 
um, self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. So constructive tells me we're building. And so what, what am I building? What are we building? Because this is how we, how we program. We are building recovery. And nothing builds recovery like, you know, strangers, now they're alcoholic, and to me that means um, there's nothing uh, more unselfish than working with somebody else, somebody whom we don't know, somebody who we may or may not like, uh, somebody who may or may not have anything in common with us. And, you know, it says self-sacrifice, which means that there's going to be times when it's inconvenient. There's times when we're not going to want to. There's going to be a million excuses that seem very plausible for not sponsoring. You know, like I have a very busy life. I have a family. You know, I have a job, I have elderly parents, you know, um, whatever. Like, there, there, there's so many, many reasons, valid reasons, too. But, you know, self-sacrifice means I don't give in to those reasons. It means I do what I need to do because it is vital, because I need it for my own life. I need it for my own survival. You know, there are times, like, I, my, my sponsors call me at, at prearranged scheduled times, um, and the reason I do that is because I don't want to be playing phone tag. I want and leaving messages on voicemails. You know, I want to connect with my sponsors. I want to speak, um, you know, daily or whatever, you know, whatever arrangements we have. I want to make sure that my schedule is open, that I don't schedule anything at those times when I have committed to speak to sponsees, you know, and sometimes it's like, well, you know, like I just want to do something spontaneous. I want to take my kids to the movies, whatever it is. You know, I know that I have an obligation and it requires self-sacrifice and it requires, um, requires discipline and it requires unselfishness, you know, but it is so important. It is so vital, not only for me, but for for them too, you know, because for so many years I took and took and took help from people, from sponsors, from friends in program, you know, who gave to me unselfishly. And now it's my time to give back. Now it's my time to give back. Um, I cannot hide by, uh, behind uh, smoke screens and excuses. I really got to take this to heart. Um, and I hope I have uh, most of the time. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Charles H. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Thank you so much for your service. Um, starting my timer. So, you know, like, I don't want to arouse prejudice at this point when I'm working with someone because we've already um, gotten to the point where I have told them that I'm sick, that I'm sick, that I'm sick, and they're still listening. And so they might be sick too. Um, and um, so now we're at, a, at like a critical point. And I want to discuss spiritual principles because that's this program. It's a spiritual program. But I don't want to shut the door on them when I start saying God, you know. And sometimes I've found that it's been hard um, to begin sponsoring someone who has a very strong religious background because they know more than me. And um, and sometimes they don't, you know, have um, approach seeking God with an open mind. That's been my experience because people um, believe that they know God. And 
So I don't try to convince anyone that they don't know God or that I know God better or that I have a better connection or that my conception of God is right or superior, you know. Um, Rather, I focus on how their food consumption has blocked them from knowing their God more. And clearly, that's an easy thing for someone to admit. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And, you know, and so I can focus on the demonstration of the principles, which a religious person generally agrees with. The principles of this program are not... They're not against anybody's religion that I've come into contact with. And and we're told demonstrate means to show. So that's to live in agreement with the very principles that that we believe in. And a simple question is, is your eating getting in the way of your demonstration of these principles? And most likely, yeah. You know, and, and so then the other person that I've come into contact with is the opposite, the person who hates the word God or who bristles at any religious practices, who as soon as you say spirit, they have, you know, a wall goes up. And, um, and so, you know, I can say, well, fine, you don't believe in anything. Um, well, but clearly you must agree that you believe that there's some hope in this program because we're having a conversation again we're talking and so my first conception of god can be just that you know and for me i can share my experience that was enough for me to get started i had a glimmer of hope you know and so today i consider myself a very spiritual woman and my spiritual growth occurred and occurs with the practice of the general principles You know, we're warned here to use everyday language to describe the principles. And so I can generally just keep discussing the principles, the principles of this program. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Charles H., you're up. Thank you very much, moderator, for your brave and courageous service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this immediately puts us in a seething cauldron of debate. Every time we get to this part of, you know, this part of the book, as soon as somebody mentioned that word, you know, on page nine, when Ebby explained um, to, to Bill he got religion, and then, you know, Bill just jumped all over him, and, uh, right, and, 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 and Ebby said, it's just a simple religious idea and a practical program of action, but attacking the text real quick, um, there's two components that I don't know about anybody else that I need. And this is right from the book of James. Faith without works is dead. You could do the work and don't believe in the work. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe it worked for you. I know I believed in the food. I put faith in the food and it worked. <laughs> Holy cow. It worked. But when it stopped working, um, the biggest stumbling block was, yo, Charles, you know what? You need to be totally abstinent, and people used to dance around it because I was intimidating. Actually, I was really a, a scared little boy, and I used that as a smoke screen, right? Um, but I had to get beaten down. And you know what? Like, you know, I need both components. I need the faith, and I need the work. You know, the, the food wasn't work. When the food stopped working, I desperately had to put it down, right? I desperately had to set aside anything I think I know about religion, you, um, me, and these 12 steps in this AA big book for a new experience. 
And when that happened, man, the floodgates opened up. And with that, I'm off this. Thank you, Charles H. Um, and just again, to let everyone know where we're reading, we are in the chapter Working with Others, page 93. We're reading the first paragraph, or beginning of the first paragraph, reading through two paragraphs, beginning when dealing with such a person and ending into most denominations. And I think we have time for two or three more shares. Jody EQ? Margaret E. Margaret, and I heard Al- another person. Nancy P. Nancy P. P. Okay, P. Margaret. All right, Pete, we'll see if we have time. I Sharon P. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to, um, I think we just have time. I have Jody E.Q., Margaret, you'll have to give me the first initial of your last name, Nancy P., Nancy P., and Pete B., if we have time. Okay, Jody, your, your turn. All right, thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody. EQ, Recovering in California. Isn't this interesting that uh, religious people who are seriously religious and who no doubt are accompanying their faith with self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action still may have a problem with food that they cannot solve. Why is that? They're living according to religious spiritual principles. They are carrying the message of their religion and they're probably self-sacrificing in many ways. But still they have this problem with food. Why is that? Or why is it that a very good member of Alcoholics Anonymous with a food problem cannot solve his food problem within AA in which he's doing lots of constructive unselfish action? I think it must be because in order to recover, I have to carry this message to another compulsive overeater. And I cannot do that in AA. I cannot do that in my religion if, you know, we're, in during our meetings, we're, we're all eating together. You know, it just won't work. I have to work these 12 steps within a program for compulsive overeaters. And I have to carry this message to another compulsive overeater. So for me, uh, I, my faith, whatever it is, whatever my conception of a higher power may be, must be accompanied by self-sacrifice to another compulsive overeater, as well as in all my affairs. But that one piece of helping another compulsive overeater is what I, as a compulsive overeater, must do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E.Q. And Margaret, if you'll tell me the first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Nancy P. I thought I heard Margaret. All right, it's I must have been mistaken. Margaret oh. Okay, Margaret, there you are. Go ahead. Um, so good morning to everybody and, and everybody. Seriously, thank you so much for all of your service. So I cannot speak a whole lot to how I've helped anybody else because I don't know whether anything I did ever helped or not. But how I was personally helped um, by someone who 
was recovering in the program who I never met and I know I never will meet was the person that uh, wrote freedom from bondage back in the, in the stories. Um, and now it's currently on page 551. And the author of this story was relating their experience. Um, and the very first thing that really helped me so much was she talked about, I've had many spiritual experiences well, that caught my eye right off the bat because I've heard the word spiritual, I mean, in so many times in this program. And after a while, I started to think, well, what actually is, you know, give me a, a, an explicit example of a spiritual experience. And that's what she did. She then went to page um, uh, 552. And she said that her spiritual experience was that she had a resentment, couldn't figure out how to deal with it, and um, was taking some magazines to, um, I believe it was like maybe a hospital, I'm not really sure. Once again, I'll have to go back and read it again. But um, so anyway, she was taking these magazines um, and, oh, she was taking them to a hospital group. And so um, so she started to just flip through the magazines and she, her eye caught the word resentment and a clergyman had written an article in this magazine that said, if you have a resentment, here's what you do. And the clergyman described the practical action, which was to pray for the person and to ask for whatever it was that you wanted for yourself be given to them. So she was very explicit. And she said, even when you don't really want it for them, boy, that's me, you know, that's the selfishness, the self-centeredness. She said, go ahead and do it anyways. It's more or less like my sponsor says, who cares what you want? Um, and then she wraps it up by saying, where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding and love. And then she says, it's worked for me then and it's still working. And so everything that we've just talked about is in these like four or five paragraphs. She, it's simple language. She tells it in her own experience. This is what happened. I'm, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret B. Um, Nancy P., I think we have one minute if you want it. And Pete, I hope you'll stay on for the second um, hour. Hi, can I be heard? Yes. This is Nancy P. from Boston. I'd just like to say that my maiden name was G, so um, I'm part of the club. Anyways, um, so, you know, I had no idea how to be spiritual. I didn't know anything. I, you know, I envied Catholics. I envied because they seemed to have a very um, ritualized, you know, they, it, there was a, you know, there was a way to do it, and then you'd be at the end of the road, and then you'd be there. And I just didn't feel like I had... I had that and I didn't know how to get it and I didn't know what to do or anything. And so, you know, I really took it to heart to use my own conception of God. And, you know, I got to say that um, I can be taught, I can learn, I can, you know, I, I, when I sponsor people, I've learned in the few months that I've been sponsoring, I don't know, maybe three or four months that I've been sponsoring um, or five months, I don't know, time flies. Um, you know, I've learned how to do things differently, you know, cut Time. somebody loose, 
prematurely thank you and then ask another compulsive overeater and go back to the drawing board. So I, I feel like I'm growing in that area all the time and I'm ever so grateful. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Uh, the share ID for today, Thursday, August the 9th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,768. That's 11768. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jen A. please read A Vision for You? Good morning, Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.